Welcome to the Bill Collector. We're on Bill, and I'm a collector. I got a special guest today, and he goes by the name Card Carver, but we'll let him tell you what his, his slave name and stuff is. Uh, besides <laughs> the Card Carver? Yeah, what's your real? Yeah, what are the, what's the family? My friends call me Tommy, or Tom. Right on Tom. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I grew up north of Chicago in the suburbs of Illinois, and I moved to Maine shortly after I turned 13, and there was, we moved to a really small town, and there was already a Tommy in my grade, so I became Tom. But when I go back, when I go back home, I'm Tommy. So, um, but yeah, yeah, so I do card art, and I chop up cards. I recently started dabbling more with, um, doing digital art and printing things, which is something I wanted to do for a while, but I just hadn't gotten to it because, you know, as like a creative, there's always so many projects and I still have a list a mile long that I haven't even touched of ideas and things I want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh same here, bro. Uh, you'll never get to it. I'll, I'll just tell you that right, right now. Of course. I, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. And it's it's cool though to have some kind of ambition though you know what I'm saying so like like if your wheels are spinning it at least just write that shit down you know what I'm saying like so you don't yeah. lose it I have yeah to, so I've, that I've always kept notes like that you know I used to um, sing and rap I had a band for a while um, I did that kind of stuff for a long time you know when I was a teenager and. In my 20s, I mean, I still dabble with it. I always will. Music will always be a part of me. So I was always making notes. Yeah. Even before the phones and stuff, you know, I, I used to cook in a kitchen, you know, and I'd be writing notes on, you know, the slips or pieces of cardboard or anything that I could really get my hands on. I would be writing lyrics down. And so that kind of carried over into this card art when I started doing it. I did the same thing right in my phone. I create notes. You know, Mickey Mantle with with Elvis or whatever the note might be, right. you know, so that I don't yeah. forget that. Because yeah, cool, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, look, I'm just going to come out right, come out and say this. I, I've, I've seen your stuff. I love it. But I've seen your growth in this last. Uh, well, look, I feel like the this. I'm not going to say a boom, but the the influx and the the growth of card art started in COVID year. Yeah. The first COVID year. And yeah. so that's when, when you got to see all the personalities and everybody's kind of like styles, like start and then like grow or not grow, whatever the progression was. And I, I have seen years grow and I have seen, um, what can I, well, you're expanding on it. So that's cool, bro. Um, I think you're, Look, who fucking cares what my opinion is? But I see a, I see, I see a real artist in you, and um, I appreciate it, dude. So that's cool, bro. Um, you're doing some cool stuff out there. I appreciate, I appreciate that a lot, especially coming from you, because when I stumbled upon the card art, you were one of the first artists I saw, and right away, I really liked just the whole style of what you brought to the table. Um, and I was thinking about, I think that a big part of the allure to your artwork for me is the story. You know, your cards, you're not just making art 
you're also creating stories, you know, so like your cards that have the, the thread from the baseball that came from a little league game or wherever you found that ball, incorporating yeah. those into the cards, you know, it's all part of, you know, that story and the presentation, you know. It's yeah, so for me, it's unique. <laughs> and the, the idea behind that is, is literally, we don't have fucking baseball cards if we don't have uh, that. There's no baseball cards without a baseball. Without you baseball. can you can play catch without a glove, but you can't play catch without the baseball. So this leather thing with the string on it has created like fucking goddamn do so like a century plus's worth of memories for like I do thousands, millions, I'm millions of kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's, for me, that's where this whole thing starts is like from childhood, you know? And when you become an adult and you have kids too, right? Yeah, I have three of them. Yeah. yeah so when you start adding kids to the mix, like the whole element of feeling like a kid goes away if you let it. And then the things that you liked to do when you were a kid kind of have to go on the back burner almost because you're fucking changing diapers, you're running the kids, you know, you're doing the kid dad life. And so you, you become, okay, well, I don't even want to say it because I'm, I'm a dad too, but my kids are grown up. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, you can become less of yourself in parenthood. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, so, I, totally, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I don't want to like I don't want to I don't want to put a negative connotation to it, but but it does happen. Yeah, and I've so heard a lot. you hate to yeah, see so, it. Right, and so finding the time for you, which I think is essential in your growth and your how your head is. I'm, okay, so I'm gonna just lead that into this question right here. Okay, because they kind of like. There's no real order in which I can ask them, but since this is like where we're at right now, you being a dad, when do you find the time to, one, make your art and be creative, and two, to settle down and, you know, collect this rad stuff that you got in the background? Um, doing the art, a lot of times it's... It's after dinner. It's late at night. Sometimes I bring my work out of the art room and sit at the dining room table while we all watch a movie. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm cutting, you know. Yeah. And and I I'm present, you know. A lot of, you can't really follow the movie, but you know, instead of being down here in my art room, which is in the other room from here than where I have my, my display, um which is just totally closed off. There's no windows in that room or anything, you know, dad's down there, dad's down there. So, yes. Um, you know, I even will sometimes, and I've talked to other artists about this, you know, like JJ Vinti, I talked to him. He says that when he sits down to create a piece that he won't walk away from it, he just finishes that piece, which is no matter like how many hours it takes. Whereas I will take weeks or months to finish things. Because I have so many different things going, and because I also do work in bits and pieces, um, you know, I might get off of work and go sit down for 
just 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes it's even less than that. You know, if I'm, I have something that I'm specific that I'm working on and, you know, I just little bits and pieces. I knock it out as I go and as I can, because with three kids, it's tough, you know? Well, that's cool. And you kind of answered um, the where question on that too, uh, because it sounds like it's wherever you can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and yeah. that's awesome that it's awesome that, like you said, so you're not necessarily watching the movie, but you're 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 present in the space with the family. So it, you are there. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. But so like if if the kid bumped his head on the coffee table, they don't got to yank your ass out of the dungeon here to to deal with that. You're right there. So that's rad. Um, and that's kind of like for me. Uh, same thing, man. It's uh, it. Look, my lady will be like. Oh, you're always up in the office. Uh, then I got to move some of the production fucking downstairs. You know what I mean? And so like literally, yeah. literally today, I, uh, so the computer's sitting on this desk right here and this desk I bought to put downstairs. So like I said, my lady's watching on Netflix or whatever. I'm, I'm at the desk in the room. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. it, it just gets to a point where, um, wow, dude, like, I'm an artist, so like sometimes like that pile of shit just needs to stay that pile of shit where it's at until I get to it again. Right. And that that doesn't look so sweet in the fucking living room. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah, that's how it was when when I started out. I just had like this little um, we have like this serving like liquor cabinet type thing, and it was just covered with bits and pieces of cards and with, it just kept growing and growing. And finally it was like, okay, we need to find somewhere else for this to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily I had the so, space to do it, you know? That, no. And that's essential because you know what, when, all right. I don't, I don't know if you know this, this part of my story, but so like I'm, you know I collect Will Clark, so that that's like an '80s thing for me. So the late '80s came around. I was skateboarding the whole '80s, so I didn't, there was no baseball. It was little league, and then my early adolescence was skateboarding. So there's no baseball. There's nothing. I gave my bones and my skin to that, and then I got in trouble making making stupid choices as a kid and so the skateboarding is what was sacrificed in the mix all right so from one day to the next i'm like a skater and then i'm not and they weren't gonna budge on giving that shit back okay right gotta find something else to do you know what i'm saying and and so literally it was well fuck it i played baseball as a kid i'm gonna go back and play some baseball and when I do shit, dude, I do it real hard. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, if I choose to do something, I go balls deep. And so with baseball, I've got to be like following stats and looking at shit like that, looking at box scores. And then collecting the baseball cards was like literally the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I, just a whole new world expanded just from baseball cards all right the interest like and everything that goes with baseball was that that torch was lit and uh 
So all my artistic expression just started going that way. And then, uh, shit, I was a dad at 19, you know? So he's just compounding these bad choices and shit. Right. And then, and then when you're a dad, you just have to do what you got to do. And like I said, there was baseball cards ended in 1992. And then I started back up in 2016, and that's kind of where I'm at. So I had one folder of Wood Clarks in 2016, and then the, the beast that's behind me now. So um, I just went in real hard with collecting because it's like an attachment to my childhood. It's like that. It's an it's innocent thing. You know, it's innocent. Like, there, nothing bad comes from hanging out with your friends, talking baseball, and trading baseball cards. Yeah. Elaborate on that because I saw some dope shit in that case the other day. You showed me um, with some Ted Williams autographs, and you told me you got those a long time ago. So it sounds like your collecting runs deep. So tell me about that. It does. Um, it really started with my mom and my grandma, you know, and also the fact that my Uncle Bill played baseball. And, you know, when I was probably no older than eight, I was told that my grandma had something special for me up in the attic and that when I was old enough, I would have it. And it wound up being a box that had like I don't know, maybe like five baseballs, three to five balls. I forget exactly how many were in there. And there was a couple team sign balls of the Red Sox from the 50s. Um, there was a team sign ball of the Cardinals, which I pinpointed to a specific year, in the, I believe in the 30s. And it was in between years of them winning the World Series with Stan Musial and um, Harry Walker on the sweet spot. Um, and Damn, it, that's so. My grandma was also a collector of cut glass. And my mom was kind of a collector of random things like uh, political buttons, presidential pins, you know. Sure. Um, the campaign pins, which are actually pretty rad. And coins. Super rad. Coins a little bit, you know. So I, I collected all those things too, coins. I collected comics as a kid. Stickers, I mean. Uh, you probably had sticker books. You, we had albums. Yep. We put our stickers in that we got all the time. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, I have always been a collector, and it was instilled in me pretty early. And, yeah, that's the gist of it. It's a family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so I see a lot of collections on um, Instagram. And yours, I, and, and trust me, bro, like some ridiculous ones, like, some people think my Will Clark shit is ridiculous, and it is. But I was just it's, fucking it's, it's back. So awesome. it, it's fucking ridiculous, okay? It's super dorky and all that. But um, your collection, to me, doesn't come off as, uh, and I don't know what's behind the scenes, Brian, I'm even going to fucking ask, but what, what, what you show of this Billy stuff, bro, it's... Um, there's there's so much more connection to it than um anybody else's collection that I see. So like what? Okay, okay. What we do with these collections, we're trying to like okay. For me, it's like it's a tapping into my past. You know those good old days, baseball, fucking summer, blue skies, clouds, all that shit. 
Yeah. And we're, you know, so when I'm a kid, I'm collecting because I want like a, that's almost as close as you can get to your, to your favorite player. You know what I'm saying? Like in your idol worship, it's like, that's as close as you, and then, then the next step is if you have an, if you can get an autograph, that's like, oh shit, you're connecting yourself more. And then here I go. And, and honestly, it's literally because of art that I, that I know Will Clark as, as a person now fucking yeah. nuts and they say you don't want to meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed and i was not disappointed he's one of the coolest people ever all that shit that's awesome then your collection then your collection comes in <clears throat> and it's a family member and okay this is what i this is what i love even more about it he wasn't a mega star and he played on the team with the mega star but I feel like his items are more rare than Ted Williams stuff. They have to be, right? They are. It's it's frustrating, but it makes it sweeter in the end when I do find items. But things he, I've been looking for his game used bat now for seven years or more since I like really started getting back into collecting. Which is funny. You and I got it back into it about the same time. I stopped collecting the towards the end of the nineties, mid to late nineties. When, yeah. when MJ retired for me, I was like about 17 or 18. I was kind of at that age where I was growing out of it and, you know, getting into other things. And yes. Collect, yes. The collecting faded away. And when my son, my first son, was old enough to start playing baseball, you start to play baseball. Well, you start to to open packs of cards, you know. You start yeah, to collect, yeah. And he started to collect and he's ran with it. He has more cards than I currently do probably. Um, yeah, that's dope, dude. Um, so in that regard, <clears throat> I went through a really shitty divorce in uh, the mid-2000s. And, dude, so my daughter was 10 when that happened, so that was devastating to our relationship. And, and then my son was three, so it wasn't devastating to our relationship, but, like, if you don't get to be there with your kids all the time weekend parenting you ain't fitting that much in you know what i'm saying like it's like yeah, i would imagine yeah so my kids still play baseball so it was like all right he's with me but we still got to go do that thing you know what i'm saying so the yeah. weekends were filled with with more mania and running around than sitting down and collecting baseball cards. You know what I right. mean? I, shit, my name is, I was born William. I grew up Billy. But I call my son Will for Will Clark. I mean, that's, I mean, it worked out just perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it really fucking did. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and and so we didn't collect baseball cards. And that was like a, I feel like I've missed out, but it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so you getting do that with your son is pretty fucking dope. Yeah, they both both my sons now come and come to card shows with me. River, the older one, gets his own table with his with his friend. We shared a table at his first show, and then the last show, I decided not. I just wanted to walk around and 
just be social and network. Yeah. And um, him and his buddy shared the table. They wound up in the news. We all wound up in the newspaper. They did a write up on us and everything. It was pretty fun. Dick, dude. Yeah, they're taking pictures of them and they used the, the photo of my son in the paper and everything. It was, it was pretty awesome. Bro, that's dope. Uh, yeah, because look, bro, like you said, we get to that age where then the. We'd rather be doing other things than, than fucking with the cardboard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. And, and it was it kind of like, I don't know, missing out on the 90s in, in card collecting. I mean, 92, that was the beginning. The 90s were insane with cards and the options of the cards you could have. Like, because all the companies were still in effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and after Upper Deck came out, everybody had to up the ante with the product. Do you know what I mean? And then it was like, okay, you had Tops, and they'd have an all-star set. Well, Tops always had a shitload, dude. The KBs, the Toys R Uses, uh, the, the yeah, Tops always had a slew of cards. But when Fleer and them started coming out with like, each card company had. 10 different sets and then that's what led to the boom you know what i mean the crash of cards yeah. like no value too much shit on the market yeah yeah um circling back to the rarity of the billy the klaus items oh, like awesome yes please the game used items nobody was thinking to save a billy klaus bat but everybody thought nope. to save a, a mickey mantle bat yeah you're gonna save yep. a mickey mantle you're gonna save a ted williams Billy Klaus was more the player that probably walked out of the clubhouse and handed his bats out to the kids, and those bats got used in the streets just playing yep. sandlot games and things like that. And just over time, they just disappeared, you know. Um, that And that's just what it is. That's At least that's what I've learned at this point because I have not found one. But in that hunt for that bat, I obtained the 1957 road jersey, which – I'm like, is I still really want the bat. The jersey may is arguably just it might be cooler, but yeah, anyway, it might be. Look at the way it's in that case right there, bro. I I can't believe that I own that jersey. The case is okay. so the case is from IKEA, and I came across that case. It got recommended, or I saw photos of it in a Facebook group, a baseball collector group. Um, they actually don't carry these anymore. I wish that I. And bought another one of them. It it looks perfect in there too. You know, and I wanted the gray, and they didn't have the gray when I got there. And I saw the green, I knew it was I'm like the the monster. Like it has that vintage green. Is that vintage that, green? It so, looks it looks old. It's so baseball. That vintage green, you know, just makes you think of a ballpark. Yes. Absolutely, dude. I could turn that a little bit more. Oh um, yeah, dude. That. Just that there in the corner looks so sick, bro. So I just got, what did I do? Oh. So here's an example. I don't know how well you can, so the, this is the 57 oh, Topps. That's nice. So that's his 57 yeah. Tops card, and he's wearing his road jersey. They only got like a couple jerseys per season back then. So the odds that this, that, that jersey is the jersey on this card is really really high when i put those two things, when i put those two together it took like a week or two of me having this jersey before i realized i was like 
Holy shit. Wait. You get 50-50 or 33% chance that they got two or three. It's more than likely that jersey. Because I, yeah, I don't think they replaced them back then unless they absolutely had to. Most of the oh. time, at the end of the yeah. season, they would often repurpose them. They'd take the numbers off and send them down to the minor leagues, and the minors would renumber them and use them. That's what happened most of the time. Wow, dude. Yeah, you, you're really lucky then, man. Really freaking really lucky. That's awesome you got that, dude. Yeah, it took a while to work out the deal, too. It was, it was months, and it wasn't because the guy, you know, like a lot of bartering. It was just me taking my time and making sure that if I was going to buy an item like this for the amount that I spent on it, which wasn't like a crazy amount of money, but it was enough that you want to make sure you're doing it right going over yes. face, over Facebook with a stranger. But yes. um, it turned out that the guy that I was talking to, his uncle owns a um, – estate auction company i think it was in pennsylvania somewhere and they had obtained the jersey through those estate sales and i wound up doing the whole transaction through that auction through that estate business so it was all Dude. wound up being all super legit and super smooth I, it's actually it's it's actually cool that it went that route because it seems like it might have been like um what, what am i trying to it just was safer with them and how they did it, I suppose. Yeah, maybe I felt so much better about it because, you know, it still, you know, felt kind of funny up until like a certain point when I was like, oh, okay, so this guy's uncle actually owns this business that I can find online and we're going to process, right. they're going to take my credit card over the phone and run it through right. this business. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, how long have you had that? Um, probably like a year and a half or so. Dick, dude. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, when I, okay. So you kind of answered a couple questions when you, when you talked about like what you collected, that seemed like you grew up collecting all kinds of shit when you were a kid. I did for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like me, it was, uh, it was like GI Joe's and star Wars and, and yes. Marvel comics figures and, and so, I, yeah, I did, man. It's like I, I've always been collecting something. I didn't just, like, throw my, my toys in a fucking box, dude. I had a shelf, and I stood those motherfuckers up before I went to bed type shit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. I've always, like, I don't know if it's, if it's hoarding. I, I don't know what it is. I just like the way I, to, to organize the things that I, that I collect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't just... Like I said, it's not just thrown together, dude. Like I'm kind of snobby about how my shit is in my in my binders, and when I see people and they just got like, oh look, I got these cards, and it's like, bro, you got a card from '87, '92, '97, and like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna be a dick in my brain, like critiquing people's <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, just fucking don't do that. But so like, I have a certain way, and um. And it looks like you do too, man. And uh, it, it, and just from this corner that I can see, it's clean. Um, I don't know. So um, I appreciate. I don't know. Can you? I could show more moving the camera around. I don't know. If yeah, yeah. Was, please do, man. I was gonna say I don't please. know how well it looks on your end or not. And no, it looks great. Uh, I should have knocked that before. 
Try to keep kids' hands out of there. Oh, yeah. So you can see there's, I don't know if you can see the damage on the top here of yep. the shoulder. Yep. But, I mean, there's some things that are just so cool. I wish you could really see the detail on the buttons. I don't know if you can I just, see that. Is that a hemp jersey? It, it's the flannel. Oh, okay. Yep, they were they were wearing flannels back then. It's kind of a, a blue and a gray mix. Yeah, that's a great looking material. I can't Forty see shit. He, dude, he was a small guy, man. Five eight, I think he was. Scrappy. That's what they call the Mighty Mouse. He was a scrappy little utility infielder, spark plug kind of guy that you wanted on your team. Because I feel like that 40 is the size, huh? Yeah, that is. And 57 is the year. Yeah, my fat ass was wearing a 42 at 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> These are the baseball. Oh, uh, dude. The, those are two cards that I had Ted sign for me. Dude, those are epic. These were the baseballs. That one, these are both Red Sox 50s team sign balls. Can you see those? Good. I can. Yep, those are sweet. That's the Harry Walker with Stan Musial. Stan is really faded, but that ball's from the 30s. Dude. Dude, so you, so this is the stuff you got from your grandparents? Some of it is. It's a mix. That Stan Musial and Harry Walker ball is, um, my grandma got that. I have a note handwritten note from my grandmother talking about that baseball she said she got it at wrigley field when she was 11 dude holy smokes man this is a 1950 milwaukee i think uh milwaukee brewers 1952 i can't remember the year but it's a minor league 1952 baseball with my uncle's name on it and just an assortment of baseballs with his signature that i've bought in the past like five years or so dude man the fact that that's still out there his brother played too he had a younger brother bobby i've been collecting some items of his when they pop up hey so what side of the family is he from my grandma it's my mom's mom's sister's husband Hey, your is that last name of yours Greek? Uh, no, it's not. Um, Trip. It's Norwegian. Originally, it was uh, Fala's son. It was ah uh, uh, okay. Short, it was shortened to Ellis Island. Got you. All right. You ever wow, seen one, dude. You ever seen one of these? Swift. No, what the hell was that? 19, oh man, I wish I could remember the year, but it's a 1950-something Swift meets baseball player. This is Jimmy Pearsall. Dude, that's epic, bro. Dude, that's so the, such a unique collector's item right there. It looks like it could be my uncle. The name's on the bottom, so there's no jersey number. You could tell it's Red Sox, uh, and the price was just right on this thing. So those nice. things, you should look those up. They're, they're really cool. They came flat, you know, and you, you pop the, the player pieces out 
What did you call that again? Uh, Swift Meats. Swift Meats. Yeah. I thought it'd be cool to try and create like new versions of that, actually. It looks very simple to do. Yeah, it would be very simple to do if you have all the right tools and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're really cool. This bat I bought has has Ted. Dude, man. I, I, okay. I, what? Dude, th th so, okay, you said you're looking for a game used. That's yeah. what you're trying I want you. a bat that he swung in a game, you know? Him yeah. and Ted. Him and Ted chilling. Dude, I mean, just to think, bro, that's your blood right there, man. Some smashing Yogi Berra. Nice. Oh, yeah, he did lay him out, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> this is an original pencil drawing for the uh, Dallas Star Journal, I think it was called, or something. Shit, dude. From the 50s. It looks, it looks clean, that floating frame, too. Yeah, it came out looking real nice. Nineteen fifty. So, okay, what team was he playing on? He played for so many teams, man. I'm telling you, oh, like, I was thinking about this recently. He's kind of like, in a way, like the Forrest Gump of baseball in some ways. Yeah. You know how Forrest Gump was a, in that movie. He's a part of all these like random, really cool, interesting moments of history. Yes, and it's yes. Kind of the same. My great uncle had like a good handful of those type of baseball moments. Um, that one, 1950, he was in the minor leagues playing for the Dallas Eagles. He started out in the minors in 1947 as a 17-year-old straight out of high school. Yeah. I don't even know if he'd finished high school, to be honest with you, when he was drafted. Because he got drafted by Cleveland. They figured out he was too young and he wound up with the Chicago Cubs and the first minor league team he played on was for the Centralia, Illinois, Chicago Cubs. Well, the Centralia Cubs. Sure. And he wound up in Appleton, which is where Ted Williams had played many years before that. He played uh, in Toledo, which was, I think, Ohio. He played in uh, Clinton, Iowa for the Clinton, also for the Cubs. It was the Clinton Cubs. He played in one year for the Springfield Cubs. The only year that that team existed, which was Springfield, Massachusetts. And they played in Portland, Maine against a team called the Maine Pilots, which I have the, um, uh, like a scorebook from that, from that game actually. Dude. Which is a really random, just odd thing, because I grew up, was born and raised in Illinois, moved to Maine. I did live in Boston for a while, and the first hat that I had, fitted ball cap, was given to me by my uncle, and it was a Red Sox cap. And who knew that at, like, eight years old, I'd end up living in Boston and live in New England for the rest of my life, probably. Um but yeah, so he played on all these different teams, and he started in the minors at 47. He didn't make it to the majors until 55. So 
he played all over. Hey, can you still hear me, bro? Yeah, can you hear me? I can. I can. Okay, yeah. that there was a, there was a lapse for a second there. Okay. So, dude, yeah, he played for an incredible amount of teams, and I mean, the guy played some form of profess professional baseball from 1947 till the mid to late 60s. He played in Puerto Rico in the winter leagues. You know, when he was younger, before he even broke into the majors, he was going to Puerto Rico and playing down there. I found a photograph of Willie Mays standing and talking to the manager and just on the corner of the picture looking over is my uncle Bill. They're all in their same. <laughs> Same you're right. You're yeah. right about the first dump. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm now seeing it like that, dude. Like, like in the background of bitching things happening and shit, dude. He was on the 1960 or 61 Washington Senators expansion team, and the 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 opening season game in Washington. JFK was there, and my uncle was there. And there's footage. I find footage of that day. <laughs> Just like that. There he, go. there he is. It wasn't even really like that. But yet, like there was like this little clip. I don't think you could hear him talking, but a quick clip, very clear, Billy Klaus. Uh, Sick, dude. He played with and was friends with Ted Williams from 55 to 58, four seasons in Boston. And um he befriended Ted. They would fish in Florida and stuff together and uh -huh. play golf together. And my uncle was on third base for the Orioles when Ted hit his final home run in his final at bat in Baltimore. Another wow, wow, another Forrest moment. And he didn't start that game; they brought him in off the bench, and he just wow. happened to be on third as Ted. There's video of that. I don't think it's clear enough to tell that it's my uncle, but he goes around the bases. <laughs> That's super insane, dude. That's so, so to me, that's why your collection stands out like a lot because, uh, like I said, I see them all. I have a great collection. I see the Oakland A's collection. I see the Ricky Henderson guy. But I don't know one person that has the connection to the game. And so it's also the vintage collection, too. So, these items that you're seeing right here, I mean, that jersey, bro, you're so lucky you found that. You know what I mean? Like, I know. And I, I know yeah. it too, man. I, I don't take it for granted. A lot yeah, of things so, had to fall in place for me to just obtain this jersey, you know? We, we sit there and, and trip out on, oh, man, one of one, like, cards that you get from Tops. And, dude, that's whack. That's not – that's so – this is like I said, I, I'm just spinning my opinions, but there's no value in that to me, whether it's fucking Wander Franco or whether it's the next guy. That jersey is that's one on one, bro. I'm sorry. That's like and, and 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 the fact that he was just like your regular your scrapster on the team that played around all kinds of places, like Ted Williams played his entire career in Boston, and like you said. They're saving Ted Williams jerseys. They're not saving Billy Kloss jerseys. So that with the tattered shoulder, everything about that is is one of the most epic personal collection pieces I've ever seen. 
and I've seen a lot, dude. So yeah, uh, congratulations on that, bro. I appreciate it, man. It is it is amazing. Seeing it in person is even better too. You know, being able to really let your eyes dig into like the texture of the flannel and the layers of you know the flannel letters on top of them, and, like the um, oh yeah, the, the buttons in person have kind of like a um, what would you call it? Kind of like an oyster type of finish, like a open sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that comes comes through on the camera or not, but um, not just some shit plastic button. Yeah, yeah, they're really cool. Um, well, it looks like there's also a patch on it that it was made locally as well. So it's, it wasn't like some big conglomerate. Like right now, it's Nike is making all the jerseys for everybody. They sourced the local manufacturer to make the jerseys for the the team. That's dope. Yeah, you know, I'm not positive. I think that that company made jerseys for other teams. I'm not positive. Oh, really? But, yeah, but either way, it's it's really cool that, that a company in Boston was making the jerseys at that time. Either yeah. way, I'm, yeah, 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 man. Um, the going the random moments, and you asked what team he played for in that newspaper pencil drawing I have. That was, so that was. The 1950 Dallas Eagles, and that team, either on opening day or as like a preseason game, they played an old timers game that had um, Ty Cobb and some other. I can't remember all the other names. Ty Cobb was the big, big draw, but there was some other few like Hall of Famers on there, like big guys. It- it's dope you brought Ty Cobb up, too, because I was going to get to that. Um, a couple years ago, I got to do uh, some work for his granddaughter, Cindy. Really? And she asked me to paint a portrait of her old man. And um, So this is like when, when be, being an artist is like, this is when it starts to get trippy, when you start to, like, deal with the uh the ancestors of legends okay and so one of the things that she had mentioned to me was she goes every artist seems to exaggerate his ears okay she says pop didn't like that you know what i mean like every picture she's like he fucking hated that shit no kidding she goes and this is when when we're talking about the details on shit that they wanted the painting. And so she basically didn't want me to give fucking pop <laughs> big ass ears. All right. So I respected that. And, um, and so, okay, blah, 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 this and that. And then, uh, she flew out to LA cause she lives in the Hamptons and she flew out to LA to get this painting from me. So I met her at a hotel, um, at LAX and had lunch with her and presented her this painting and then when i when i pulled it out of the 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 bag she started to cry and uh that that hit me right here you know what i mean because it wasn't like oh man you made my grandpa look like a fucking asshole it's just (laughs) it was like you did you did it you know what i'm saying yeah and uh yeah so that was rad dude like like Getting to meet these people that uh, Ty Cobb's a pedestal guy, you know what I mean? Like he's like up here in in baseball, and um, 
anyways, just to get to be able to, this is what I'm getting at. As an artist that collects, you also get to place things in, in collectors' homes. And this is what I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find adventurous collectors. I'm sure you are too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because bringing these handmade items into the home is adventurous to some people. Some people are wild, like, fuck yeah, dude. I want some baseball art handmade by you. And but there's this element like what we make isn't official. Right. Do you feel that at all? People want license. They want bro, bro, that's not what we that's not what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? So like it's I and, and I and I don't want people that don't want it or appreciate it or don't even understand it. But I don't want people, and you feel this too, creeping into your inbox like I'm just the same as the next guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elaborate on that. So I'm sure it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, because we are not the same as the next guy. I appreciate hearing that come from you. The fact that you hold me in that regard, because to me, you're on a whole nother level. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hold myself in that regard. I hope that any artist holds himself in that regard. Right. You know, if you're yeah. really making art that you deem worthy of people purchasing, and as you said, placing in their homes, you know, um, and you definitely do encounter that. It, there's very little in like gray area there. It's either yeah. they want the license or they're down with the art. Um, yeah. If there is some in between guys, I shouldn't say that because there are guys that do both, but a lot of times it's very cut and dry. You know, and, and yeah. I've learned like locally, I, as mentioned before, I go to shows and I think that in the long run, that's going to be a big, big part of my success is my ability just to network and to move in a room. Um, and the network that I already have that I built over the years, not just in cards, but just uh, like in the music industry and in the nightlife industry and people that have grown into all types of different roles in, in those areas that I'm still very friendly with. And, you know, some of my best friends work in those areas, which can be very beneficial. Um, but the guys that I know locally, there's certain guys that I don't even really bother to show them my new stuff. I, yeah. I already know. I already know that it's not their thing, and that's okay, you know, because there's plenty of guys that do want to see my stuff. They're dying to see my shit when I walk through the door. You know, they can't yeah. wait to, to see what I've got in, in my case that I bring with me. Um, yeah. So I, I noticed you um you made a placement um is that place called the Vault? It's called Card Vault, yeah. Card Vault. Yeah. So, and that was my first time actually going to that shop. I had heard of it, and I mean, it, it, you could tell by just the appearance of the store and everything they have going on there that it's yeah, very dope. not nice. I, their marketing, everything that they have going on with that place is top shelf. They do, they do things right. It's at Foxborough, so it's at Patriot's Place. So when you pull in to, like, the main road for – you know, the stadium that the Pats play in, you're pulling right into there and you, you turn and there's a little shopping, kind of like a walking outdoor shopping type area. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where their storefront is. Like right it there. looks dope, bro. It's so sick in there. Um, I was really happy to make that happen. Part of that happening was because of my connections in the, the nightlife industry. And one of my best friends being a longtime, like beloved VIP host in the nightlife industry in Boston. So um, I really just started to utilize that that whole that weekend where I went to Boston. COVID really effed things up, you know, for a, a lot of things. Um, and it was my first time in Boston in a couple of years. And I finally at a, at a point with my art where I felt comfortable enough to start, you know, utilizing some of my network. You know, yeah, wanted, yeah. When I came, I wanted to come correct, not like, oh, hey, I just started doing this. So like. I've got my, my feet on the ground now and I'm, I want to start to run with it. Yeah, that's dope because um, <clears throat> I feel like that uh, that specific place is, a, is the perfect place for what you're doing because um, it doesn't have, um, oh man, I, you know, growing up in the baseball card shops that I used to go, some of them motherfuckers were dusty as shit, dude, and like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, like, actually, like, it was like a couple of cases tucked into like an antique shop is what it was. You know what I mean? And so that place seems like the the higher end kind of like is more accepting to that higher end product. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I don't know. I just think, think it's fitting the, the the outside of that place, the way it looks, and then the inside how it looks anyways i'm happy for you that you got that because um i want to go to some of the local shops around here but it ain't just like storming in kicking the fucking door down be like hey show my fucking shit it's gonna be more like do i want to show it here right i would i mean i'm sure that you have an idea of an approach but like the first thing that just comes to my mind is go to a trade night or something you know and just get a get a feel for the real vibe in that room you know, the trade night is going to be where, like, they're kind of regular guys that are coming in all the time are going to show up. And I think you get a real feel for, like, the, the sense of kind of, like, community and the vibe, basically, you know. On- okay, cool. So that's reassuring because my ass, my pessimistic ass takes me to the negative, like, right away. So I'm like, okay, bro, I hope this – see, when I was a kid – card shops were oh man i feel like i got the cool innocent part and then it then i then the tail end was the skeevy end of 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 cards okay it's like the people just you know just bamboozle you and so the taste i have in my mouth with what they and i'm gonna do this called a hobby I feel like card flipping and the flippers and the the um the rippers and the the all those guys that are doing the, the internet ripping flipping thing are being yeah. lumped in, being lumped into the collecting hobby. And I find those two separate entities. Yeah. That that's that's how I feel. I feel like there's a there's a, you gotta be kind of a connoisseur. To be a a, a, a a collector with a nice collection, and and then when I see these people like, oh, I collect cards, bro. Everything you have is from twenty twenty two and twenty to twenty nineteen. 
that's not anything to me. So I don't yeah. uh, like even walking into the room with that vibe is like, oh fuck, dude. All because all these guys think they're they all think they're junior fucking businessmen, Gary V's, and I love Gary V. Don't get me wrong, but this new culture is like, dude. We can't all be hustlers, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I I hear you, and it can't it can't all be shiny. It doesn't all need to be shiny. Just talking about oh. the new stuff, because I feel that because obviously I really love vintage. Um, yes, I like the newer cards that you know some newer cards that incorporate the uh, the vintage look, and that's something that mm. I've started to, to do with making the tobacco cards finally. Right. Um, the stats pretty I, get to, I appreciate that. I yeah. It's it's discouraging to me walking around card shows. It'll just be the whole room is just all modern. There'll be a handful of cases that have some vintage, and by vintage that typically means like eighties, and there might be one or two guys that have a little bit of like sixties or pre-sixties stuff, but you're only gonna see a few cards that are of that era really typically <clears throat> um but i guess that it just that's where the hobby is which is okay yeah that's okay to me um it makes hunt, hunting for the vintage a little more fun yeah it will for for me i i as a will clark collector they the car companies fucking know the will clark collectors are still alive so they're that they know to put the product out there so it's it's cool that in 2022 there's still offerings to put in my collection and um that kind of leads me to like how will clark is a very underappreciated player that way we wouldn't i'm saying we so I, i'm going to put me in the group of the known will clark collectors that that i know of there's a facebook page and there's like it's just under 300 collectors on that page all right this is in 2022 that's a lot of people okay yeah and we wouldn't still be on that tip if will clark wasn't hard as fuck you know what i'm saying like if he wasn't hard as fuck fuck is what i'm getting at and and so him not being in the hall of fame is is uh is kind of a bust but at the same time, for me, what that has done is it's made all of this stuff obtainable. Right. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and so that's the beneficial part. Like, <clears throat> Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame, whatever the fuck, dude. It, now it's a political thing. So how you get in there from here on out, who knows? Because the 500 home run guys, they're gone. Like, after Miggy... Who's going to hit 500? I mean, Giancarlo Stanton is at like 350. That guy can't stay healthy if his life depended on it. So right. he's going to have to put together a string of like injury-free years to possibly hit that. Mike Trout's in the early 300s on his home runs. So like Mike Trout can't stay injury-free. No. And then the way the game has changed now, we're like, all right, bro, you ain't hitting good against this guy. You're not in the lineup today. That makes a difference because, like, the Ted Williams 
if he wasn't injured, he was in the lineup every single day, every single day, every single day. It yeah. wasn't like, and so like if Will Clark was, okay, how can I explain this? Will Clark was in the lineup every single day, whether he was slumping or not, because at that point, he's due. He's always going to be due if he's in a slump. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how it works up. It's like, okay, he's been in a slump for two weeks. He's fucking due. You don't take the guy out, but that's the way the game's played now. So the Hall of Fame aspect is going to have to change. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to have to – 300 wins is out the – window bro we yeah it i feel like so like clayton kershaw and the justin verlanders they're like the last of, and the max Scherzer's are the last of the innings eater baseball players and so they're gonna have to amend what they are going to let in the hall of fame you know what i'm saying like right like like 160 wins that's what clayton kershaw has did he not have a solid fucking career? Was he not the best of his generation? Like, so he's gonna he's gonna get in five years after he retires because that's the way the game's played now. Right. And uh, but like I said, I think they should start with like those like those fringe players. Do like Mattingly, like Don Mattingly's still so popular today. It's ridiculous. I sell more Dom Mattingly stuff than I sell anything else. I bet. Yeah. I mean, and Mattingly's been retired for a long time. But he won nine gold gloves. He was a dominant player. He was an all-star, you know, six or seven times. It's called the Hall of Fame. If you're an all-star six times, you're fucking famous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, for let's sure. just face it. Though. For sure. Yeah, so do you think that the the Hall of Fame should amend some of these numbers that were like guarantees because we'll never see another hall of famer i mean at that point i mean they would they'll have to they'll have to change the stand the standards will have to change to reflect the game you know if guys just can't reach those numbers like you said what are they just going to be like well well it's going to be uh induction weekend soon but we don't have anybody, so I don't know what we're doing here in Cooperstown. <laughs> right? Yeah, because, like, like, all right, Barry Bonds and them, they, they did steroids, and that's why they're keeping them out. But, like, now what you're doing is you're, you're, you're eliminating an entire block of players. Like, that class of players from, uh, like, 80 fucking 5 to 2,000, bro, absolute rippers. I mean, like... I can't stand Jose Canseco, but let's just, you know, let's just um, re- remember what he did in the game. Sammy, too. Let's remember what McGuire did, you know, Bonds, Clemens. It, it, so, fuck Palmero. That motherfucker could not be in the Hall of Fame forever. Fuck that motherfucker. But, like, everybody else that did steroids, you're going to have to, like, fuck it, put them in their own wing. But anyway, I I I completely agree with that. Give them their own wing, acknowledge it because it was absolutely electric. You know, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and their the home run race. What that did for that, what that, however many few year window or a couple years, whatever it was, where those guys were just crushing it, it saved baseball in a way. You know, because that was wasn't that after the strike or before? Yes. Yes. It was after the strike, dude. And 
that was the only thing that made me remotely interested in baseball. And honestly, I turned my back to it for a long time. The year of the strike, I was like 13 years old. And Frank Thomas was like my favorite player at the time. Him and Griffey Jr. were on pace to hit, like to break the home run records. Tony Gwynn was hitting 400. Um, I don't remember the other accolades that and who was on track. To yeah, yeah Matt Woods. Matt Williams was pushing for 61. I mean, it was people were doing things. And what so the, that strike happened the year my daughter was born. So, like, already when 94 was happening, I was already like, not even like that. I, my lady's knocked up. That's where my focus is. You know what I'm saying? It broke my well, heart. Baseball was, yeah, baseball was like way out there. And, and the only thing I heard of baseball that year was that they were in strike. So, I was like, Fuck baseball. Then that strike rolled into 95 too. So I just, it, it was a perfect time for me to not care about it. And then getting to what we were just talking about when McGuire and Sosa were doing it, it was hard to, you couldn't even escape it, bro. So I was glued to the TV just like everybody else, like, what the fuck? Like, bonkers shit. So yeah, it did. It saved the game. I've got a uh, vintage vintage now it was my dad's cub shirt from the mid 90s that i that i'm still rocking now i think it's think it says i haven't busted it out yet here for summer yet it says slam slam and sammy or something like nice that. It, it's a great shirt <laughs> but you know the cubs won't even let him back it like won't even have him at wrigley no association at all they ought to just give him a, there ought to be a a statue of him doing the hop you know, the Sammy Hop after. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Come on. Bring back Sammy. Well, see, my issue with it is is baseball and they've done this all they do it all the time with, with, with every seeming scandal. They know it's happening. And then when it's exposed, they act like they didn't know it's happening. And so they they abuse the revenues. And then slap the the players that were providing all the shine with 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 you know yeah. suspensions and and like I said not going to the Hall of Fame and and they turn them into pariahs and uh, yeah and it's it look I've gotten to know athletes um, through this art thing and then also through when I was a kid we were some fucking hella sneaky autograph seekers, okay? Um, so we'd be 16. We had an older friend, and he'd drive us to the hotels where the players were staying. And uh, I just, like I said, sneaky, bro. I mean, I'd end up in bars as a child in between players getting autographs and shit. Like, I was a That's slip awesome. in any way. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like, and that was with a ton of teams. Like, one time I slipped in, I end up in the elevator standing right next to Daryl Strawberry, and I don't even talk to him until we hit the um the last floor, and then I bust out the card with a Sharpie, and he starts laughing. He goes, man, ain't it too late for you to be out? I'm like, ah, man, I just want your autograph, Daryl. He goes, what's your name, kid? And he signs my card. I said, it's Bill. He goes, I'm going to call you Penthouse Bill. And he walked out the elevator. I went down the elevator, and that was that. You know what I'm saying? Just like late nights being fucking sneaky and having fun getting autographs. So 
I just kind of like, I was able to build up a, um, like a confidence around people of higher stature than me. You know what I'm saying? And, and living right. in LA, I've, Dude, I, be, I just grew up meeting celebrities and shit like that. And uh, baseball being a sport, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in just taking a supplement that makes you bigger, faster, and stronger, and richer, you know? And that's what it was. It yeah. provided excitement, and, and it wasn't illegal at the time. And I don't know, bro. Uh, so that's my Hall of Fame rant. Is is that, dude? Like, let's change that shit. Yeah, they're gonna have to. Right. Yeah. Well, sure. um, so I I believe I asked. I so the questions I asked you, see, seem like uh, like two of them you answered in in one paragraph. So I'm done answering the asking those questions of you. And um, I mean, make a long story short, I appreciate you, bro. I really do. Carving out time like this, um is uh i don't know it's dope of you i appreciate it dude yeah no i'm likewise man right back yeah. at you yeah so um i'm gonna just end it right there um i appreciate it and uh we'll have to do this again look i'm going to this platform um no filter is pretty cool because of the eyes that watch right you know what i'm saying um and so everybody that's investing in this thing is uh is the shit that we do okay so so i'd like to talk to you again um just for the fuck of it bro you know what i'm saying yeah dude i'm totally into it i enjoyed this yeah because i like your um like i said i like your collection i like you and um i like your vibe i don't like everybody bro i'm not i'm not too much of a social person so um talking with people that 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 have the same energy as me um it you didn't turn it on when the camera came on so i, I like that realness you know what i'm saying like right. it seems like when the when the camera comes on something comes out of people and i'm i'm just not like that i like when the camera goes off i'm just the same me like you see it right here so i feel right, like you're yeah. the same cool yeah i try it's funny because i've grown to be more comfortable i'm still not really completely comfortable in front of the camera yeah me either but i do i try to just be me I, i'm what you know it's it's what you get you know yeah because like, like a lot of what we do is in like it's within closed doors and behind walls you know what i'm saying so it's easy for me to stay very very private i got no problem long periods of time by myself not talking but like in this thing that we're doing, I'm, I want to promote card art because I think it's a real thing. You know what I'm saying? And it, and it was I agree 100. percent And it was cool to be part of something like not that we invented anything, but we brought it to the surface, and that's Pioneer. something that's something that's hard to do. Yeah. In this world where everything's been done 15 times over. Yeah, for sure. So I want to I want to congregate with these people within that realm um just to bring light to it and uh you're one of the you're one of the stars in my in my opinion, bro. So I I appreciate that, man. I'm, I strive for it. I I really want to be at a place where I can kind of and I already do it in my own way. 
represent the community and what all of us are doing. You know, when when I walk into a card show, it's not just the card carver, it's the whole the whole movement. You know, dude, right? And so it's funny because um, <laughs> just we'll just do this one last thing. There was uh like before COVID happened, twenty nineteen seemed like shit was ah like, oh, yeah, dude, dope. There's this place out here called Baseball Central in LA, and they're like a baseball instructional facility, batting cage, um, run by the son of a former major league player and manager named TJ Runnels. And what's cool about them is they okay, he's another kid like us. And I say kid, like, are you in your 40s yet? Or are you in yeah, your like 40, I'm 42. Yeah. Okay. So, like, there's this age bracket that we're in, and uh, we're not just, like, dorky baseball players, okay? We're, we're baseball players that like the whole culture of baseball and the art and all of the things that go along with it, okay? So TJ and them, they love baseball art, and they buy fucking – they buy baseball art from all kinds of people. And so they wanted to bring light to the baseball art community. And so they had an art show on their premises. And that was the first time I'd ever been a part of a baseball-themed art show. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I've been showing for a long freaking time, um, a long time. So I'm the whole exhibiting thing, that's like, that's... That's what I fucking do. I, I feel like that me making the arts only a smidgen, the other part is making it look fucking dope where people could see it, okay? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And so we got there, and, um, and I'm the OG exhibitionist of the baseball artists, okay? Because my baseball art's been at the Museum of Tolerance. I had, a, I had a, an exhibition there for six months with the entire top floor with my baseball shit. And so setting that up and making sure everything looks right, that's kind of part of the art, you know what I mean? Like the way you have your baseball stuff back there, that's an exhibition type of thing, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you set it up in a way where people like it. So anyways, we do the art show and I get there and I see the other five artists that were there setting their stuff up and boy, they were like, man, really having a hard time setting it up and i got there like the three ring fucking circus dude i got boxes and i got tables i got walls i got all kinds of fucking shit and next thing you know my stuff's set up and then i'm like seeing them like ah shit like so the exhibiting part is like to me that's the next step you know what i mean like getting your art into the the real world not just virtual, not just Instagram, not just Facebook, but like, like you said, getting out there and shaking the hands and meeting the people and getting the names physically is the next thing. And that's, that's what got fucked up over the last couple of years was that aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I, um, yeah. I don't know if I've got uh, pieces of uh, cards and coffee in New York now, too. Sick. Yeah, I'm really pumped about that. I did a the collab 
with Show Your Slabs, where I did the um, the MJ rookie with the Maryland in the background. Oh, yep. 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 I did the, the smaller one, and then I made a bigger piece to go on the wall to match, so it's like a companion set. And mm-hmm. Show Your Slabs made the um, the giant size one touch to match the small one. Oh, that's hype, dude. Yeah, so they brought that, that to the One Mint Collective in Vegas. It didn't sell there, but it stayed at Cards and Coffee. <coughs> so it was in the window at the Cosmopolitan in, in Vegas at Cards and Coffee. And then they op- Cards and Coffee just opened a store in New York City next door to Bleecker Trading. And they brought that, they moved that piece to the New York City location. Sick, so, dude. Yeah, I'm stoked about that one too. That one's huge too because there's so yeah, much. Yeah, that's that. There's so much activity at Bleaker Trading. Like Ken Golden would goes in there and does videos. Like it seems like almost. Oh, people. okay. So it's there's definitely some. High that's a great placement. Yeah, extremely good. I'm really stoked yeah. about that. Okay. Oh, before we get going, just on some collector yeah. shit, I, I want to show you a couple of things that I know that you'll enjoy. Please. I pulled a few things out of that case. One. Right on. This is just the the Ryan Sandberg Dominator. Okay, dope. I only I just pulled that out because that's like my my one one of my probably my only piece of like nineties like that era the the junk era cards. Love Ryan Sandberg. I had to have one. This is one of those cards that like I wanted as a kid that I never had that I had to buy as an adult. Like I'm getting one of these. You know? Yeah, there's a Will Clark Elites card like that that I have to have that I don't. That uh, those are cool. Uh, those are cool. Yeah, yeah. So I think I might I might have to spend money on that that I don't want to spend. This was just a frame. I'm gonna take it out the case so there's no shine. It, it just happens to fit in a 360.1 touch perfectly. Oh yes, dude. It doesn't wiggle at all. But this is a frame from Hobby Lobby that I used to frame a 1961 top stamp of my Uncle Bill. That's killer, dude. It looks perfect in there. Thank you. It it is perfect. I've been looking forever for the right frame so that I could display it because it's just a little little thing, you know? I just, whatever. I put it- And then it fits perfect in that case, sick. Yeah, somehow you you pop it in the one touch, it doesn't slide around at all. It's just perfect in there. It looks so cool in there. It it looks awesome in there. Hell yeah. Um, was it? oh. So this is. You what see the that? hell is that? Is that you? That yeah, dude. <laughs> so check this out. So I go back to Illinois. I try to go back once a year. This past year, I finally brought my wife with me and got to. Sh- I've lived in Maine since '93. This is the first time, and since '93, I've been able to show anyone in my life a friend, or a girlfriend, or finally my wife, where I'm from. Sure. It was an awesome trip. Me and my buddy are having a couple beers. It's getting to be the end of the night, and we decided to go back to his house because his dad had just given him his card collection. From when oh, right. I was a kid, his dad was like, "Yeah, they're cleaning the house out. I think his parents are, his parents are getting ready to move. They just built a new place." And he's like, "I want come and get your cards or whatever." <clears throat> we so we go down there, crack a couple beers, and start going through these boxes of cards. And he goes, "What is this?" 
and he pulls that out of his friggin', he pulls it out of the, his friggin' box. And what it is, is we used to, what, what would happen is on picture day, I, we would, me and my friends would get our pictures and we would take them home and we would make these cards and we would bring them back the next day and we, we would, we would all trade them with each other. And so that was in that box? That was in that box. This was last, oh. like last last September. I got this from him when I I went back there. So this is a look, bro. It's a 1992. Like that's when I was when I made this 1992. Well, you've been making card art since the 90s, bro. <laughs> so freaking funny. You can see. So like I even cut out. It's hard to tell, but like I cut out the individual letters for my last name. Dude, yes. Some of them have fallen off. That's rad, dude. Pretty That's wild. super rad. I would I would show you, yeah, because man, we would do that too. We'd clip magazine clippings out and uh fuse them onto our duplicate cards. I got two pages worth of Will Clarks like that from 1991, man. It's freaking nuts. That's awesome. The last thing that I've got more of them, but the last one, this is so this is a really interesting piece. So that's Billy Klaus. Awesome. Uh, oh, there's the signatures up top. You can't see the signature well, but it's a nice signature. It's got the the old decal edge photo. Yes, photo. This is a one of one from an author named Dick Trust, who lives in like the Cape Cod area of Massachusetts, I believe. So I emailed him because I don't just collect this stuff. I also just try to catalog. I've been reaching out to people, try and get anybody that might still be alive that even has stories, maybe yeah, yeah. anything that I can get. And this guy wrote a book about Ted Williams. So I reached out to him via email, asked him if he happened to have any Klaus stuff or know anybody that would. And it turns out that he was kind of like a guy similar to you when he was young, collecting autographs and things. But he also hung out at Fenway in the ballpark with his camera. And he snapped this photo when he was like a teenager and had my uncle sign it. Wow, dude, that is fucking um, awesome. He wound up just giving it to me. And I asked him because he sent me a copy. And I'm like, boy, if you ever decide to part ways with that, please keep me in mind. And he's like, well, you know what? Why don't I just send it to you? I was wow. So right there, dude, that, okay, I've been blessed in the, the, um, commu in the collecting community. They have like, oh man, this guy's really fucking dorky with the Will Clark shit. And they shower, they shower me with it, bro. Like, like, and, and I feel like it's, it, okay, bro, like that dude was like, that piece doesn't belong anywhere else than in your collection. Right. And for him to just bestow that upon you, like from the kindness of his heart, that's what that's what I'm seeing with the with the collecting community right now. It is really really cool, man. And, for sure. and that wasn't even something that I was experiencing outside of my group of friends. You know what I'm saying? So like, I have my six friends, and yeah, we were, but I didn't have friends outside the city. And then when you went to the card shops, it was you're buying shit. And when you went to the conventions, it was about buying stuff. So uh, the, uh, one of the only good things I've, I've found from social media is been like 
this card collecting community yeah and the people that participate and um yeah and it really is a community i, I feel like that it's pretty cool because um for sure you make friends that way you know what i'm saying like you don't fuck with people that you don't trust and i don't know so it's pretty dope hey and on on that notion i'm gonna scan this bro dude it's so cool. and i'm gonna send you a super high res um copy of that uh to your email so you can do whatever you want with it okay that's cool i appreciate that yeah I so i appreciate that that's awesome yeah so um i appreciate you coming on dude and um we'll cut it off right there i'll scan that tonight uh, um i believe yeah, you sent me your email through uh through Instagram and I appreciate you uh Tom. Appreciate it, dude.